welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, and a whole lot more. It is Season 4, Episode 9. It is the weekend of March 6th, and you're listening to nationally ranked Sports Card Podcast, hosted by me, Jeff Baker. I'm calling from Boston, Massachusetts area, and I'm joined by my co-host, Malik, Mr. Drew Pelto from Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be on here once again. Drew, have you got any new YouTube videos up? I actually did just put one up on uh, earlier this week there, my February recap of all my TTM stuff. So go and check that out. It's youtube.com. Um, if, you, if you go to youtube.com slash Drew Pelto, or if you just look up Drew's autographs, you can also go to my website at dfwgrapher.com. Should be links to everything that I do on there, including to my YouTube channel. Yeah, you can find us on social media. We are at Instagram at TTM Cast. We are at um Twitter at Cast TTM and on Facebook at TTM Cast. So make sure you follow us on social media. And also, we have a radio show. Drew and I, Drew and I have a radio show. We're going now for I don't know, a month and a half, two months, right, Drew? Yeah, we've got uh, two months in the books on it now. Two months in the books. So you can listen to it at uh, the Sports Map Radio station in your local area. You can go to sportsmapradio.com to find your local station. If you don't have Sports Map Radio, you can download the Sports Map app in your uh, your app store and listen to it right on your phone. We are, we, our show is on Sunday mornings from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern time. And then they repeat it from uh, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. So you don't have to get up too early if you don't want to uh, give it a listen. It's, it's a fun show. You can go to our website, which is sportscollectorsclub.com to learn more and listen to our old shows. We have all sorts of uh, cool stuff. We have some new content that we don't mention on the a podcast, and we have uh, uh, an interview every week. So check it out. It's called The Sports Collective Stuff on the Sports Map Radio Network. Well, Drew, I think we got all the housekeeping done. How was your week? It was pretty good. I mean, had uh, had some good stuff to uh, to talk about here in the inbox. Had uh, work on a couple of trades, sent off to a couple of private signings. So hopefully going to, well, got a lot this week. Hopefully going to have a lot here for the next few weeks there as well. Yeah, I mean, we're finally getting some uh, results, right, from our, our work and sending out some TTMs, and we'll cover that a little later in the show. Uh, this week, we have a really fun interview with Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey, of course, is a 1974 National League Most Valuable Player. He played his uh, career with the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres, and he was actually a bat boy for the Brooklyn Dodgers and Yankees and Tigers during spring training from 1956 61. So we talk about Steve's time as a bat boy during spring training for some of the teams. We also talk to him about uh, collecting. Steve is a great uh, card collector from way back when. And he also is a great TTM signer. So we talk to him about that. So stick around for our interview with Steve Garvey. And next week, we, we're going to talk NFTs. Next week will be our NFT uh, show, guys. We're going to teach everyone a little more about NFTs. And we have uh, Tobin Lent, who is the Vice President of Digital Operations for tops he is going to be joining the show we also have an nft expert from uh jp morgan so uh, jp morgan chase is going to be on the show so we're going to talk we're going to go really dive into nfts next week but this week this week is is kind of steve garvey week and we have a lot to discuss 
We have all our regular segments. We, uh, if you want to send us an email, let us know how we're doing. Drew, how would they about, go about doing that? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, let us know if you're interested in being a guest, if you want to have any feedback, if you have a subject that you'd like to see us cover. Um, and that's also our, our contest line. No contest this week. But we also have a text line. If you want to text us, it's 978-729-0662, 978-729-0662. And our website is ttmcast.com. So that is, that, that's how you can reach out to us. Next up, we're going to jump right into the show with Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen is our new segment of what's been going on in the hobby. It's been a very busy week in, in, in a lot of facets of our hobby. And in, uh, in the auction segment, Heritage Auction just finished their auction. They had $25 million in sales, which was pretty impressive. A couple highlights from the auction. A Jackie Robinson debut ticket stub, which is there's only one of seven, one of seven known existence, was uh, bought by the Milwaukee Brewers owner, Mark Intanasio. That's pretty good, Drew. I didn't butcher that his name this time. <laughs> Mark Intanasio purchased it for, oh, just $480,000 for a ticket stub. So, guys, check your drawers, check your shoe boxes, check, check anything, check your pockets. The ticket stubs are, are hot, right, Drew? They are indeed. And uh, Michael Jordan, of course, is always a big name in the hobby. And it's very rare that you can find full tickets from games before. Because, I mean, if you go back to about the 90s and before, you know, they would always check the ticket and rip the piece of it off there and get the stub back from it and everything. So full tickets kind of rare. And so finding one from Michael Jordan's very first game is a heck of a find. And uh, so apparently this kid uh, went to a game, went to that uh, first Jordan game when he was in college had two tickets for it. Couldn't find anyone to use a second one. So he just, you know, shoved it in a book or something somewhere, came across it again recently and put it up for auction. And it got him $468,000 this past week. So there you go. Another ticket going for close to half a million dollars. So if you ever go to a big game somehow, hang on to that ticket because you never know what's going to happen to it. Yeah. And for you TTMers, send them out and get them signed because this is a, that, that adds to the value of it. And uh, ticket subs are really hot. Another thing that's hot, and we mentioned it at the beginning, is NFTs. Uh, there's a company called Dolphin NFTs, DolphinNFTs.com. They have a new um, NFT trading card that that they're releasing. It's featuring 10 winter athletes, eight from this year's game, uh, Will Olympic Games, and two notable alums. And they're going to be uh, depicting themselves as superheroes. And what the cool thing of is is that it's going to be uh, designed by former Marvel visual artist Anthony Francisco, who is the man behind Baby Groot, and he knows how to create a good superhero. So uh, some of the athletes that are going to be featured, the uh, athletes are involved in the creation, which is kind of cool. But some of the athletes that are going to be featured include Kendall Coyle, who was uh, Schofield, who was a women's ice hockey and a two-time silver medalist. She uh, read uh, Giard, a snowboarder. Um, Nancy Kerrigan, legendary skater, uh, Hillary Knight from the high soccer, women's ice hockey team, Joey Manta, who's a speed skater and a 2022 bronze medal winner, and John Schuster, the, the curler uh, from the 2018 gold medal team, and he was the 2022 U.S. flag bearer. Bear. One of the cool things is going to be 32 different designs, so you're going to buy the packages just like you would buy any packet, and there's going to be commons and super rare cards, and anyone that purchases it has entered to win a real-world world prize, which is uh, includes a, a luge ride with uh, Chris Madzer, 
or a curling lesson from John Schuster. So there's there's two cool prizes out there. It's kind of neat. NFTs are really uh, uh, you know hitting their 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 stride, and it's very popular now. Don't you think, Drew? They are. Yeah. It's. I mean. It's something that I really haven't gotten into much at all, but it's I'll, I'll have to uh, start taking a little bit more of a look into it. I mean, I, that prize there of uh, going curling with John Schuster sounds like it'd be kind of a cool uh, thing to be able to do. But Tops is, of course, getting into NFTs as well. They had their one of one 1952 Mickey Mantle NFT go up to auction this week. Uh, Tops auctioned off themselves and it sold for, once again, nearly that half million dollar mark, $470,000 that one went for. So NFTs, like you said, they are the big thing right now. So uh, definitely something to, something to look into if you haven't yet. Yeah, we're going to have next week, as I said at the beginning, we have a, a great NFT show next week with Tobin Lent, who is the VP of uh, Digital for Tops, as well as uh, Sophia Lawrence, uh, for Sophia Wasserman, I'm sorry, Sophia Wasserman, who is uh, an expert on NFTs from JP Morgan Chase. So we are going to have a great show next week on NFTs. And the NFT market is something that we're going to learn about. Uh, it is cutting edge for uh collecting and we we you know even if we don't get involved and start buying them we should know about them right true definitely it's i mean it's it never hurts to know about these things and you know just be on the uh be on the front wave of all of it i uh, got a little bit of sad news out there from the hockey world um saw a report on sportscollectors.net this week that Guy Lafleur is uh, having to stop signing it not sure if this is a temporary thing or a permanent thing but he's been having some health issues lately and uh it's been put out there by his family saying, hey, uh, we really can't be taking any mail at this time. So anything that's sent up toward Guy Lafleur is going to get uh, sent back to you. So just uh, save your stamps, hold off on him. Hopefully he's going to get better and will be back to signing again. But really sad to hear it. He's one of the best. I mean, he's a great hockey player, number one, and a great TTM or a great friend of the hobby. He's, I mean, he spent probably at, at least 30 years just signing everything that came his way. Yeah, and I would say he's probably top 10 of hockey players of all time. Once you drew, he was, uh, as a Bruin fan, he used to kill us <laughs> year in and year out. And I, I have utmost respect for him. And, uh, you know, as Drew said, he's a great TTM. You'd send out a couple cards to him and you would get him back probably less than two weeks. I, he was always always a quick return. So um, hopefully he uh, gets well and we, we wish him the best. We got some new releases, uh, some cool hockey releases, the basketball and football releases as well as well this week. Uh, we had a, a release of uh, which we were waiting for. This got delayed a couple times. It's the top, uh, Upper Deck 2021-22 Upper Deck Series One Hockey Hobby Boxes. This is Upper Deck's flagship product. So this is you know this is their their product, and they had um, they released it with eight cards per pack, twenty four packs per box. There's two hundred and fifty cards in the set, and a hobby box goes for about one hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, Panini is going to be uh, keeping busy here with their releases as well. I've got Panini Contenders Football hitting the shelves on March 9th, so just a few days from now. Six cards per pack, 18 packs per box. $650 price tag on there, but it is going to be loaded with some great stuff there. I mean, you're dealing with 18 inserts in there, one parallel, and five autographs. They definitely are uh, making it worth the money right there. Yeah, another high-end release from Panini is Panini Donruss Choice Basketball. It's 2021-22 set. Um, there are 10 cards per pack, only one pack per box. So it is a, a high-end uh, product. There's one autograph per box, three parallels, and five exclusive rated rookies. And Drew, you know I love the rated rookies. And those are going for $425 a box. 
Another uh, high-end Panini product hitting the shelves uh, here pretty soon. Panini Origins Basketball. Seven cards per pack, one pack per box. $500 price tag on that. But in that pack, you're going to get yourself three base cards, two parallels, and two autographs or relics. And uh, even the base design there of Panini Origins has always been a really cool design on them. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that one. Yeah, I love that design. We have uh, uh, a low-end one for the kiddos. This is this is a good entry-level product from Topps. It's Topps 2022 Opening Day Baseball. There is seven cards per pack, 36 packs per box. There's 200 cards in a set, which is really cool. And uh, gives the kids a, a great chance to rip some, some wax, so to speak. Wax is only $50, which is right in my price range. What about you, Drew? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I like right around there. And Upper Deck Allure Hockey, another one that's pretty affordable right there. 150 base cards in the set. You're going to get eight cards per pack, eight packs per box. So it's only going to take you about maybe three boxes or so to uh, complete a set, hopefully, if the collation's good on it. You're going to get one autograph and two parallels, and that's going to run you about $140 total there on uh, a box of that. Yeah, those are great-looking cards also. I think I, I think Upper Deck does a great job with, with hockey. Uh, so pick those up. Well, guys, that wraps up Baker's Dozen for this week. Next up is Making the Grade. Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit dsggrading.com to learn more. Making the Grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. We've had a, bit, had a busy week, a lot of news out of... Uh, a lot of the grading companies, one of the, one thing that was kind of cool is Beckett Grading has reopened their standard level of service. It's uh, limited to first come, first serve. It is online submissions only. Their turnaround time for uh, the stand, uh, standard level of service is 30 to 45 days. Uh, cost to get a card grade is $30 with $50 if you want to do it with subgrades. And it's great to see... Um, Beckett catching up on some of their backlog and, and uh, you know, keeping the, the, the cards uh, flowing into the market. It definitely is. I mean, and opening up the uh, base level service is definitely going to just keep it on going. But they created 64, over 64,000 cards during the month of February. That's up 5% from what we saw in January. So Beckett is keeping busy. PSA and SGC busy as well. SGC up 1% from their uh, January numbers. They created 82,000 cards during February. And of course, PSA, they're PSA. They're even, I mean, they're even down 3% from January, it looks like from their numbers here, but 750,000 items graded during February. So you add all that together, you're dealing with what, close to a million items graded across the month there. So that's, I mean, that's a heck of a, heck of a, heck of a group of uh, cards entering the market right there, all graded. And it just goes to show you that grading cards is the big thing right now. And I think it's, if it's not here to stay, then it's like, what 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 has to really happen for it to be here to stay? Yeah, and and with Fanatics getting involved, and I'm sure they're going to be involved in some type of grading uh, as well. And it's kind of, it's great when uh, mark cards get into the marketplace. Graded cards are, are more, the more cards that are graded into the marketplace, I think the better for the hobby. I uh, just want to let everyone know our friends at CSG will be at the Chicago Sports Spectacular March 18th to the 20th. And one cool thing, they're going to be taking submissions. In the first 50 people that submit cards at the Chicago Sports Spectacular to CSG at their booth are going to get a, dom a graded Domin Dominique Wilkins card with a signed label. 
which is kind of cool. That's the kind of kind of a cool thing. So if you're going to the Chicago Sports Spectacular March 18th to the 20th, and you're thinking about submitting some cards, stop by the CSG booth. And again, the first 50 people that submit cards are going to get a Dominic Wilkins autograph card. I mean, Dominic Wilkins card, graded card, and it's going to be have a signed label, which is really cool. So um, one other note, I just want to let everyone know about our friends at DSG Grading. That's Diamond Service Grading. DSG, DSGgrading.com. They have a special exclusive for TTM cast listeners. They are offering $5 coupon, $5 off their standard grading or any of the grading uh, levels. Their standard grading, it goes for $30, but you can get it for $25. All you have to do is use the coupon code 4HMUGTZG. Once again, it's 4-H-M-U-G-T-Z-G. If you didn't write it down, don't worry. It's available on our website. One of the cool things about DSG grading, Diamond, Diamond Service grading, is they have a uh, QR code on the label. You just scan that QR code, and it gives you a detailed report of why your card got the grade. They also have cool new era labels. So check them out, DSG Diamond Service grading. And we're going to have the president of DSG grading on in a couple of weeks, Michael Clark. So we look forward to hearing from him. But check them out. Give them a try. DSG grading, dsggrading.com. Well, that wraps up making the grade. Next up is our TTM Cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. Drew, I'm going to handle it to you. Why don't you, why don't you give us your, your TTM Cast stamp of approval for the week? Okay. Well, yeah, yesterday uh, my wife and I went to dinner and uh, decided we wanted to hit up this uh, restaurant called Taste of Europe in Arlington. And, uh, Taste of Europe specializes in Eastern European foods, a lot of uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, all that whole area right in there. And one of the things they've done here this week because of all the stuff that's going on with Ukraine is they have literally covered up the word Russian on everything in their place. Their sign out front just has this big block right over the word there. <laughs> they changed their description of Russian borscht to Ukrainian borscht, all kinds of stuff like that. They've got signs up, you know, supporting Ukraine all over the place in there. But as we were leaving, uh, we just walked by and they had this case with these Russian nesting dolls in it. And so, I mean, number one, the food was awesome. I got these, uh, they're like these potato pancakes that are stuffed with like a beef and pork mixture or something like that. Really great. So the food is good, number one. But number two, on our way out, walked by this case of Russian nesting dolls. And in there, I saw this one that had a Colorado Avalanche jersey on it. And my wife's been on the show before. She's talked about how she's a huge fan of the Avs. And I point that out to her and she like turns around, comes back. is like, oh my God, I need to find out about this. So she goes and asks, are the, is this Russian nesting doll here for sale? Like, oh yeah, of course. And so uh, she's like, okay, what's the price on it? And they check and she's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're getting that. And so we've got this Colorado Avalanche Russian nesting doll that has, it's uh, the outside, it's Valerie Kamensky on the one outside. The one further in from that is, I think it was Alexei Gusarov. In from there was uh, Sean Donovan. In from there is Patrick Waugh, and the center one is uh, Sandus Ozilinch. So a lot of the big names there from their uh, 1996 Cup winning season right there and their first couple of years there as the Avalanche. So really cool to come across that and really great food along with it. So uh, heck of a score right there. It's a taste of Europe in Arlington. If you like Eastern European food and if you're in North Texas, go and check it out. And I did see also they had another Russian nesting doll up there that had Chicago Bulls players on it. So uh They've got a couple sports-themed ones there if you go and check them out. Well, my my son studied Russian in high school and college, and when he went in, when he was high, senior high school, they went over. He went over to Russia with his class, and he brought me back a Bruins Russian nesting doll. Oh, nice! 
So <laughs> I have one as well. It's a, it, it's a great, great one. I was going to get up and, and grab it while you were talking, but I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to miss your, your, your lead in. So yeah. it's really cool, but very cool. Tell, tell, uh, tell her, I said, tell John, I said, congratulations on that one. Well, my TTM casting pool this week is uh, an app. I'm a, I'm big into apps. I really love uh, collecting apps. And I found this app. It's called do Dilly, D U E Dilly, D I L Y. It's free. And what you do, it's kind of like, like, uh, like some of the other apps, but it's, it's different. And I'll tell you how it's different. What you do is you, you you download the app. It's free. Then you can scan your card. You scan your card, the front and back. And what it does is it gives you a grade for your card. Now, obviously, it's not going to be a PSA grade or a, a, a CSG grade, but it's going to be a it's going to give you kind of an idea of uh, of the of what grade you might receive if you submit your card. Um, and then one of the cool things that they have that that it's gonna, is new that it isn't even live yet. They're going to let you turn your collection into NFTs, which really piqued my interest. So we're going to we'll we'll report back. But you know, it's it's a really it's a, a very new app, um, and, and I think they're still getting the kinks out of it. But it's I'm really intrigued by it, and the grading thing works great. You you have to you know you put your card down on a um, like a piece of construction paper, like a black piece of construction paper or a dark piece of construction paper and you put it down and you got to be pretty you got to make sure that you have your uh your steady in your when you take the picture because it can't be blurred or anything but it's a neat app it's available in the app store um for for um for apple stuff i'm not sure if it, if they have it for for pc stuff as well but uh, it's called do dilly Check it out. I it's really cool, and I think uh, the NFT version of it is uh, really intriguing. And that that isn't live yet, but it's coming. So that is my TTM cast stamp of approval. We're gonna go right next up into the Vern Rat Minute. The Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap, who passed away uh, prior to me sending out a TTM request to him. And we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers so that they uh, don't send out TTM requests to people who passed in the world of sports and celebrity. And this three this week we have um, three football players that, that passed. Uh, Ken Barrow, who was a star wide receiver with Houston Oilers back in the, the day. He played from 1970 to 1981. He is the last wide receiver to wear double zero. I think they outlawed that. So he's the last wide receiver to a double zero. He was uh, he played for the Saints in the uh, Houston Oilers primarily. He was drafted by the Saints and he played for the, most of his career with the Houston Oilers. He was a two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, it wasn't much of a TTMer as far as I could tell, uh, but you know he was he was a great player. So uh, Ken Barrow, he was seventy-three years old. Uh, Lionel James, running back from the San Diego Chargers, he was part of the backfield there behind uh, Dan Fouts during the late eighties. Played for them 84 to 88, died at the age of 59 this week. He was a solid TTMer, but it looks from what I've from uh, what we were talking about there beforehand that he hasn't been signing for about a year or so. So kind of makes you wonder if there was kind of a longer term health issue there going on with him. But yeah, unfortunately, I lost him at age 59 this week. Yeah, and we lost another AFLer, uh, Bert Cohn. It's it's C O A N. It is how you spelt his last name. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers from 1962 to 1968. He was a halfback. Uh, he passed away. He was 81 years old. 
Well, that wraps up uh, the Burn Rap Minute. Our condolences go out to friends and family. We are sorry for your loss. Next up is Returns. It's the news sports card collectors have been waiting for. The CSG Population Report is here. It provides an up-to-date catalog of all the sports cards that have been graded by CSG. Designed to be user-friendly and easy to navigate, sports card enthusiasts can use the CSG Population Report to determine the relative rarity of a sports card in a particular CSG grade. Start exploring today at csgcards.com. This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. Well, Drew, the mailbox has been full for both of us this week, which was really nice. I had one day, I think I had one day when I got six, and another day when I got four, and I had a bunch of returns, but you have a, you had a, a, a whole boatload this week. I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had uh, 13 of them across the uh, entire week or so here. So I'll start out with uh, last Saturday's one. I mentioned I was probably getting Eddie Jacquemin in the mail and did indeed receive him on uh, Saturday. So glad to see that one come in. Monday, got four in with uh, Chiefs running former Chiefs running back Larry Johnson came back to me. Um, got uh, cartoonist Jerry Scott, who is one of the two guys who draws the, car- the comic strip Zits. And uh, what's great is I've got both the guys now that draw that, him and Jim Borgman, both on custom index cards. They both put a little sketch on there as well. Uh, longtime pitcher Danny Darwin came back as well. Very quick return on him, as he always is. And uh, NASCAR driver Haley Deegan sent back as well. Just a word of advice on Deegan. She is no longer signing her. Uh, she and her people have announced that anything that came in before February, she is going to get to signing eventually. And this one I'd sent out about a year or so before. But they said, yeah, we're going to sign everything that's come in before February. Anything after February not going to do it. So save your stamps on Haley Deegan. But if you sent to her a while ago and haven't gotten her back yet, it's probably coming your way. Uh, March 1st, got TJ Lavin, BMX uh, racer, and uh, Bill Stoneman, former Expos pitcher. Also got in a private signing from Marty Barrett on a set card that I needed. Uh, he's in, it's the 2005, I think it is, Tops all-time fan favorite set. He will not sign that card TTM, but he will sign it through private signings, which is Strange and interesting, but I finally got it done for my set at least there, so happy with that. Uh, March 2nd, Dennis Eckersley got him back as well. Very happy to add him on a couple of set needs right there. Leo Posada, infielder for the Kansas City A's back in the late 50s to early 60s. Got him on a 60 and 61 or 61 and 62. 61-62 tops cards there from him. Uh, Got Chris Bando back, sent to him in October of 2020. Uh, Bando has been signing through Pass Pros, so you can get him there for seven bucks. Or uh, I said to him before I knew he was with Pass Pros, so I have no money at all, but it took a year and a half there. So kind of a little bit of a trade off there, I guess. If you send the money, he'll probably get it back a lot quicker, though. Uh, Matt Young on March 3rd got him on a couple of cards, plus that 84 Tops uh, Team Leaders card that has him with Pat Putnam. I'd gotten Putnam on that a couple, about a month or so ago. Uh, coming in the mailbox yesterday was Dick Perez, the artist of all those Diamond Kings cards. He was uh, he did all the paintings on them from 1982 through, I think, 1996. After 96, they went over to like a computerized thing and all that. But he's the one who did all the art there on those uh, those first 15 years or so on uh, of those cards. And I've got one that should be coming in the mailbox today. I haven't checked yet, but should be here just about any time soon. Uh, Olympian Stephanie Brown Trafton. She was, I believe, a discus thrower. And was in one of the uh, tops uh, Alan Ginter sets. So 
very full mailbox this week and hopefully a lot more coming on the way. Just bought a new batch of stamps as well. So should be able to crank out a few of those. Very cool. A couple things, Drew, that you kind of clicked my memory. Um, Bruce Hurst, who is the former uh, Red Sox, Boston Red Sox and San Diego Padre pitcher, uh, is now signing through Pass Pros. Um, a brand new. He's signing $50. He's charging $50. So Ooh. he's a little, little, a little high, and I think he wants to, wanted to keep the volume down. But a lot of guys need Bruce Hurst for this set. So that is kind of cool. And then uh, the, they had the Topps um, Industry Summit in Arizona last week. And one of the things that Topps announced, and I was thinking of you because you're the man in all these other different sports, Topps is going to be releasing um, tennis cards and uh, lacrosse cards, and they're going to they're gonna branch out in some other non-traditional sports. So uh, interesting from a TTM standpoint, because those are people that you either had to have an Allen Ginter card or you had to send them an index card or a custom index index card, and uh, I think it's going to open up um, some of these these. Uh, and I don't I use this term um, with all all due respect, fringe sports, <laughs> and some of the sports that you you like you like you you like some of these uh, from a TTM standpoint. So it's kind of cool that Tops is going to be opening up a, a kind of new TTM territory for us, don't you think? It definitely is. I mean, if you remember back to the early 2000s, so there was that short-lived company NetPro that did some tennis cards there for a while. I have one of those signed ever. But uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you come across those, I know there's several tennis players that are good uh, signers by mail. I just haven't gotten into it too heavily myself outside of uh, really blanking on the name, uh, Roger Federer. Right. He's a very good one if you can send over to Switzerland, but he's in that set on a couple of cards. And so, yeah, I mean, if they're coming out with some new stuff there, great. I would love to check that out and have a new branch there to uh, send off to. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to come out this summer. So we'll we'll, we'll look for that. Well, uh, let me run down my returns. I had a bunch of returns as well. Uh, not as many as Drew, but I still still had a pretty good week. I got uh, Butch Beard and Ron Boone both um, on 1974 Topps basketball cards. Ron Boone, of course, played for the Utah Stars, Butch Butch Beard was in uh, a Warriors uh, card. I got uh, Bobby Jones and Junior Bridgman on 1978 Topps basketball cards. Bobby Jones, of course, from North Carolina and the Philadelphia 76s. Junior Bridgman from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I got a couple football guys. I got Garen Varis from the New England Patriots. He signed two cards for me. It is 80. Six and 87 or 88. I don't remember which of them had one of those uh, tops cards. I got Gersh Swedes, who you probably not going to recognize that name. He played for the 1959 national champion Syracuse Orangemen, and he was a, a, a halfback and, and actually backup quarterback for the Boston Patriots. His first card was, and his only card, I think, is a 1960 Flair card, and he signed that for me in pen. I sent that to his homie. It lives up in upstate New York, and that took a couple weeks. I had uh, Roger Fegley from the um, New Jersey Nets uh, back back in the day. He signed his 1980 Topps basketball card. Uh, and then some baseball ones. I got Chad Curtis, uh, who played for the Yankees and the um, Angels, right? And the Angels. He signed he signed a couple cards for me in a couple weeks. Uh, Brian Oaklers, who was uh, played for the Cleveland Indians, signed his 1987 Topps card for me. And Blaze Jordan, who was a Red Sox prospect, he signed a, 19, uh, a 2020 
one Bowman card, and those that uh, he personalized it, and that took a couple weeks. So uh, my returns are starting to come in. Oh, and one that one that I got back. Uh, this one was I think out for about a year. Was Gary Allenson who played for the uh, Boston Red Sox back in the eighties? He signed his nineteen eighty three tops card when i looked at it i said geez that looks like he signed my name his signature looks just like mine but i saw a couple other people that got gary allenson cards and the signature was basically the same so his gary looked his g looks like a j and it kind of looked like jeff baker when he signed it so but i, I was very happy to get that that back that one had been out there for more than a year so pretty good week don't you think it definitely is. And I mean, that's a trigger couple in my mind there because I sent out to Gary Allenson probably a little over a year ago as well. So hopefully mine comes back. And if it says Drew Pelto on it, I'm calling shenanigans. But uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Butch Beard in there as well. And uh, good to hear that he's signing because I had a couple cards of him that I pulled a while back. And I was going to send off and it was in a stretch where he wasn't signing a whole lot. So I figure ah, I don't know if I want to send these off and never see him again. But if he's back at it, then great. I'll uh, I'll be sending those out here then probably this week. Yeah, and that was quick return, like two weeks, no no charge. I think every one of the ones that I mentioned was all were all free. I don't think there was one uh, caught charge one in there. So good week for returns. Uh, next up, we're going to go right into our TTM cast interview of the week. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing Steve Garvey. Uh, just a, a quick backstory on, on Mr. Garvey. I, I met Steve Garvey at uh, the Williams and Shriners Auditorium, which is here in uh, Massachusetts, the, the show a couple of years ago. And he was very cordial and he agreed to be on the show. And uh, it took me a couple of weeks and I went and I uh, record, I, I, I interviewed him and I went to get my recording of the interview. And you know what? As it was, there was nothing there. It was like, oh, my God, I lost my interview with Steve Garvey. When am I ever going to get a chance to speak to Garvey again? Well, you know, I, I, I time had passed and I, I reached out to him. I, I thought we might get him. And uh, it was, you know, we went back and forth for a little while. And, and Steve's a very busy man still, even though he's not playing anymore. But he's, he's got his hand in a lot of things. Well, I finally we finally got to talk the other day, and uh, I had a great interview with Steve Garvey. We covered a lot of subjects from his him being a uh, bat boy in the fifties to collecting to uh, coming up in the major leagues to cards that he liked to signing autographs and it's a really fun interview with a really uh, very great guy and a uh, very cordial guy and unfortunately steve's not in the hall of fame yet but someday i think he will be so uh you know we're gonna have and please enjoy my interview with steve garvey but first here's a message from our friends at csg it's one of the rarest finds in the history of early cuban baseball tobacco cards a CSG-certified 1922 Jose Mendez card is featured in a new Hakes auction right now. The card represents a potentially once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for collectors. A pre-auction estimate provided by Hakes values the card at $20,000 to $35,000. See and learn more about the history of the card at csgcards.com before the auction closes later this month. Joining us from his home in California is 1974 National League Most Valuable Player. He was a 10-time consecutive National League All-Star. He played 1,207 games, which is a National League record still today. And he is a four-time Gold Glover. Welcome to the program, Mr. Steve Garvey. It's a pleasure, as always. Steve, you know I love talking baseball and autographs and collecting with you. And I know, uh, let's take you back to Florida in the 50s. I know you had a really fun job as a kid. 
I did. You know, family from New York, a uh, much longer story, but uh, they moved down to uh, to Tampa, Florida in 1948, uh, kind of a trade for a gas station up on Long Island to uh, a motel in uh, Tampa. And uh, uh, something happened, you know, nine months later, on, I think it happened at a Stuckey's or a Horns on the way. <laughs> and I was born <laughs> in Tampa and, and raised there. But then... Uh, uh, at the age of seven in 1956, uh, my dad was a great bus driver, and he came home uh, late March uh, during Grapefruit League spring training, and he uh, sat down to dinner, and he looked at me and said, you want to skip school tomorrow? I said, gosh, Dad, <laughs> you never said that before. What are we going to do? And he said, well, I have a charter to pick up the Brooklyn Dodgers from the Tampa airport and take them to St. Petersburg for an exhibition game against the Yankees. So I said, oh, wow. And I had actually... Uh, started collecting tops cards because my dad and two other gentlemen had started the second little league in Tampa, Florida. And that following Saturday, this was, I think, about a Tuesday, uh, we were going to have our first uh, first game. And um, so I, I, I said, can I be excused a minute? And I ran into my room. I was an only child. And I had, uh, had probably about 30 or 40 uh, tops cards. And they were, I was starting to categorize them. I had two Have a Tampa cigar boxes, which was perfect for collecting cards. And I had uh, mostly Yankees in one and mostly Dodgers in the other. And I, I looked through the one that uh, had the Dodgers. And I had Reese and Campanella and Ferrillo and Snyder and Robinson. And I, I got those. And I ran back in, sat down at the table. I said, Dad, will these, these players be there tomorrow? And he looked at me and said, well, I hope so, son. Uh, he said, they're the world champions. I said, really? I said, you remember? Oh, that's right. Last fall, beat the Yankees that seventh game. I rushed home and saw the last two innings. He said, yep. He said, uh, and dad was a Dodger fan. Mom was a Yankee fan. So she gloated a lot through the years. Uh, but finally they won the world championship in 55. And now uh, with my tops baseball cards, uh, my dad and I got up the next morning and drove the bus to uh, the tarmac of Tampa International Airport. We're speaking with Mr. Steve Garvey. Steve, of course, was the National League Most Valuable Player in 1974. He played for the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. He is a four-time Gold Glover and a ten-time National League All-Star. In addition, he played over 1,200 consecutive games, which is still a National League record. Your eyes must have been as wide as saucers when you met these living legends as a youngster. Well, I... You know, and I, uh, my wife and I did a book uh, along with Ken Gurnick, a wonderful MLB writer, about uh, seven, eight years ago. It was called My Bat Boy Days. Um, and that was the first day that I got a chance to uh, bat boy for the then Brooklyn Dodgers. And probably for the next, next six, seven years, eight years, I got a chance to bat boy uh, two, three, four times each spring, sometimes for the Yankees. Uh, or Detroit, once for the Reds, but mostly for the Dodgers, because they'd come over from Dodgertown, which was in Vero Beach, uh, directly across the state from Tampa on the East Coast, and they would stay three days. Um, and they had their own plane, so they would play the Yankees, they'd play the Reds, they'd play um, the Tigers, and then go back over. But uh, that first day, we um, they, uh, the plane landed about 8.15 in the morning, and uh, when it landed, it came by where we were, and it had Dodgers on the side, and the baseball on the tail. And I, I said, Dad, wow, every team have that? He said, no, son. He said, I think the, just the Dodgers do. And it taxied up, and there were no, 
there were no concourses back then. There was no A3 and B14 and C30. Uh, they pushed a ramp up to the plane, and uh, the door opened, and off came Walter Alston. You know, Skipper always comes off first. And then it was Reese and uh, Jim Gilliam and Charlie Neal and um, the Boys of Summer, you know, and that and that great book, uh, which probably took about six or seven of them and, and chronicled, you know, a couple of the years in Brooklyn. And uh, I stood with Dad in front of the bus, and I had the cards in my hand. And we say in the book, as each player came by, it was as if they walked off the baseball card and came alive. And uh, you can imagine for a young seven-year-old boy looking up to all these these uh, world champions. And Dad had told me a little bit about each each one of them. Um, and as they went by, I had the old the old flat top haircut with the butch wax, you know, it was almost porcupine looking and they'd pat me on the head just to see if it was real. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and finally the last two guys were, uh, Campanella and Robinson and they were kind of, uh, you know, about 10 yards behind everybody. They were talking and all of a sudden they got to dad and I and, and, and Jackie stopped and he, he said, uh, son, you look like a, a baseball player. Do you play baseball? And I, I kind of nodded, and they said, yes, sir. I think I think the words came out. And, uh, and he said, well, you practice hard. Uh, maybe you'll be a Dodger someday. And uh, I nodded my head. And then uh, Roy Campanella looked at my dad, and he said, Joe, is he a pretty good student? And my dad said, well, <clears throat> you know, he's struggling with his reading, but we're really working with him every night, which meant that, you know, I was, again, I, an only child. I was hyper back then. And now we know that is to be being ADHD. So I had some auditory processing and had the, didn't have the ability really to concentrate. But um, but I was getting better. So Dad said, well, he's struggling a little bit. So Roy looked at me and said, son, you can practice all you want. But if, if you can't think and problem solve, he said, and, and have options, you know, you might not make it. So I said, yes, sir. And uh, and I was looked up at Dad and I, and. and I, those eyes that a son or a child has for their parent when, when they've just covered for you, you know, a little bit. So um, <laughs> they got on the bus and we went to Al Langfield in St. Petersburg, which was just torn down, I think, last year after all these years. And guys got off the bus and all of a sudden a man came out of the clubhouse and boxer shorts and a little T-shirt, a little cigar. And, uh, you know, they kid. And I, I looked at him and he said, you want a bad boy? And I said, Wow. I looked at dad and he said, you want to? I said, yeah. So he said, uh, get those bat bags and take them to the dugout and the ball bags. They'll be out in about 20 minutes uh, for batting practice. So the bat bags were bigger than me and the ball bags were heavier. And uh, we carried them out and I started putting the bats in, in you know, their slots and the helmets. And I, I was hearing, tsh, tsh. I turned around, there was Mickey Mantle hitting home runs in the Pinellas Bay. And, um, wow. You know, all of us kids were Mickey Mantle fans. It didn't matter the team they cheered for, but, you know, Mickey was, you know, blonde and rippling muscles and seems like he ran the first base in about a second and a half, and, and he hit those big home runs. So I was watching him, and uh, and all of a sudden, they were saying, you want to play catch? And he turned around, there was Gil Hodges. And, uh, you know, he was about 6'3", you know, 200, who knows, and kind of like my dad, you know, big hands. And I said, yes, sir, sir, I... I had my new glove. Uh, it was a heart of the hide Rawlings 995. I think the most expensive glove at the time. And I got it off my belt. So, you know, mom said, don't lose it. And, uh, 
and Gil tossed the first one with a big arc, and I caught it. And uh, I threw it back to him, and he threw another one. He's testing me, see if I could catch something. Mr. Hodges, you know, starting Little League, I, I can catch. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard, and I turned around to look at the batting cage, and boom, ball hit me in the in, in the chest. And, and Gil, great family man, I uh, ran over, and it wasn't very hard. And uh, and he said, are you okay, son? You all right? And I said, uh, yes, sir. And he looked at me, and he said, uh, you weren't looking at Mickey there, were you? And I, and I went, you know, yes, sir. And the first <laughs> moment of somebody giving me a teaching lesson, you know, outside of my family, and he looked at me and he said, son, we're the world champions. And I looked at him, yes, sir, I won't do it again. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that, that day was my epiphany. I, falling in love with the game and sitting next to, you know, what would be my idols and, and having my baseball cards. And my baseball cards became, you know, a sense of history for all these players. And, and I would go out and, you know, we had grapefruit trees in the yard and orange trees. And I would take the little grapefruits that were sides, small in golf balls, and take a broomstick. And I'd have my cards lined up kind of on a table. And it would be the Dodgers against the Yankees in, in the World Series, and I would be both sides. And you know, if I if I wanted the Dodgers to win, I'd keep fouling off the uh, <laughs> the grapefruit until I hit a good one, you know, so that they'd win that game. But um, you know, that's what you do as a kid. I mean, that that those moments that that kind of change your life and define it. And of course, uh, I got a chance to bat boy the next day, and then the next year, and then. They made the transition to Los Angeles, and of course, I was you know followed every step of the way. And then, twelve years after that first day in '56, uh, Dodgers drafted me in the first round out of Michigan State, and the rest is history. Looking back, do you see your time as a bat boy in the '50s as kind of an apprenticeship for your time in the major leagues? Absolutely. You know, my um, my mom was the more the disciplinary, and dad was the big teddy bear. Everybody loved him, but mom. Oh, he said to me, you can't talk and listen at the same time. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And uh, when I sat on the bench, you know, I would, and between, you know, getting the bats, I would listen to the players. And, and, I, and I always talk about one instance where Reese is talking to Hodges and they're watching the Yankee pitcher and they're talking about how he held the ball. And if he held it this way, it's a curveball and held it that way for a fastball. And, you know, I'm, I'm young and I don't really quite understand what they're talking about. But uh, now that I, it, over the years, thinking back, they weren't wasting time talking about where they were going to have dinner that night or this or that. They were watching a Yankee pitcher in a spring training game, meaningless game, to try to pick up something that would give them an edge six, seven months later in, in a World Series. And, I, and that was a lesson. Over time, you know, Dad and I would talk about each day and what I learned something. And every time I bat for it, I learned you know, not only one thing, probably two or three things that were indelible. And uh, I look back at those times as uh, growing up with my, my idols and my mentors, and I think giving me a, a sense of a Dodger way to play baseball, a commitment. Uh, you know, I had the consecutive game streak, like you mentioned, and I think over the seven and a half years, there were several times I could have just sat out, you know, upset stomach or flu or pulled hamstring. But I remembered the boys of summer and what would they do? You know, they, they'd go out and play. That's what they did. They were baseball players. And uh, to learn from them really was uh, a great blessing in life. Well, you, you mentioned Gil Hodges. And, of course, Gil got elected into the Hall of Fame and he'll get yeah. inducted this uh, this summer, which is That's a right. thrill. Um, 
I know you had you had a, a great uh, affinity for him and a great respect for him. Well, you know, I, I some were through uh, absorption, you know, and others were like that day where you know, he, you know playing catch there, and he came up and, and taught me a lesson about, you know, uh, concentrating on the moment with the person that's put you in that moment. So, uh, and and watching over the years, and he managed uh, just managing the Mets my first day. Uh, uh, up at September 1st of 69. And uh, I struck out. I, I just missed a home run to, to left field, just missed one to right field off a little lefty Jack Delora in the bottom of the eighth inning. And uh, then he threw me the first screwball I'd ever seen. I struck out. And, uh, <laughs> and the bat came out of my hands and went over the third baseman's head, Wayne Garrett, and almost javelin in the outfield. And I came back to the dugout, and uh, Walt Austin was on the steps, and he says, "Well, kid," he said, "you made an auspicious start." <laughs> and he said, "And yeah, you, but you probably have a couple thousand hits before it's uh, all over." And he, he, you know, kind of patted me on the shoulder. And uh, about four nights later at the Astrodome, I got my first hit. But uh, but Gil was across the uh, across the diamond in the in the dugout that day, and I had seen him in uniform. Didn't have a chance to come talk to him because it was a, a Sunday and, you know, getaway day, but um, just to get a glance at him and, you know, he made the transition from the playing field to the manager and uh, always so well-respected. And, and that's one of the things he, he, uh, you know, he carried himself, like I said before, a lot like my dad, you know, the gentle giant, quiet, uh, but uh, poignant, you know, conversational, but still able to focus and, and be one of the best of all times. 1974 was your MVP season. Do you consider that your best season as a player? <clears throat> well, it was, uh, it was the, it was my breakout season. And sure. um, the one where everything comes together, where you're starting to mature, even though, you know, I'm 24, 25, uh, starting to get an understanding of the game. Uh, and it takes a while. It takes like, you know, I've been up and down to 70, 71, 72, struggling at third, trying to make it 73. I'm literally the 24th guy when I start pinch hitting and lead the league. And June 23rd of 73, Walt Olsen, we just lost the first game of doubleheader, had trouble against uh, left-handed pitching. And uh, he had, I was sitting there and had gotten it single, one of the two hits. And he starts to, to walk by and he stops and he looks at me. He goes, you ever play first? And I go, Oh, sure. Well, I played one game at first in Little League, one game at AAA with a bad, pulled hamstring. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, get a glove. You know, start, don't trip over the bag, get some minutes, let's beat this lefty tonight. And, you know, I uh, and I, I get the glove. First inning, uh, I think Billy Russell made a great play in the hole, threw it in the dirt, dug it out. Um, got a double, drove in a run the second inning. Third inning, there was a high throw. I come off the bag, catch it, and tag the runner. And I'm thinking... Oh, jeez. <laughs> How lucky am I, you know? But, uh, you know, I was a defensive back in Michigan State and had pretty good quickness and footwork. And, um, you know, my, my destiny became first base. And uh, and through the years, you know, arrowless season, I think I'm in the top five in fielding all time. And uh, four gold gloves, you know, the Rawlings gold gloves, which are phenomenal. So um, sometimes we just have to keep working, keep after applying our trade. And, you know, I could have heard I had trade rumors there in '73, uh, but then once I, you know, I had that great Saturday, and then next day I got two more hits and went on the road and played most of those games, and that was really the beginning of my of my career. Uh, that people 
you know, as no as today. So, but, um, you know, that's, that's the key. You know, I had the passion, uh, I had the work ethic and I kept watching and listening and, and making adjustments to the point where, you know, I, I, I was, you know, part of that great infield of say and Russell and Lopes and myself. And, you know, people forget poor Steve Yeager cause he, he was out of bounds as a catcher. Smith and Mundy and Baker and Landro and great reliefers and starters and Lasorda and Austin managing, you know, it was a, I would say the golden era was that basically 73 to 85 when it looked like we were going to world series, you know, every, every other year. And, and finally the world championship in 81 was, uh, was the one for, for our age, our ages there, because that was the first true, Los Angeles World Series. You know, the other other World Series still had remnants of, of the Brooklyn days with the players and so forth. But this was the first one that was essentially, you know, homegrown with the scouting and player development, et cetera. You were on the field when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record in 1974. What do you recall about that night? Yeah, yeah, it was it was historic. The build up to it, the anticipation. It was early in the season, I think the first week or ten days, and um, he almost broke the record in Cincinnati. He had hit, well, I think he had hit seven fourteen, and uh, and they pulled him out and uh, sat him out. I think on Sunday, so that he was going back to Atlanta, and we happened to be the team that came in that night, and uh, you know, the, the, it was just a full house, standing room only, and the press and you know all the uh the tv trucks and the anticipation and then uh al downing who's a great guy and great pitcher uh gets a ball over the plate and hank used those electric wrists and hit, hits it to a little bit to left uh, center and and i'm looking at it and uh, i had said to myself before if he does hit one then i'm going to be the first guy to congratulate him yeah you know? yep. but it wasn't it wasn't a high fly you hit pretty much of a medium line drive. And I watched Buckner, uh, Bill Buckner, my dear friend, climb the short fence and go up and it goes over his head. And I see a scramble out there and I go, Oh, I got you. And as they, just as they turned around, he went by me. <laughs> I thought, oh, shoot. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, the classic uh, video is uh, Davey Lopes, Bill Russell, congratulating him and him uh, going around the field. And then, the fireworks and the ceremony at home plate and, uh, you know, for this, this wonderful man who had broken the all time, uh, home run record. And, uh, you know, it was quite a night to be there. I've always, I've always said, I, I should write a book, uh, you know, I've got the best seat in the house because I was on the field for Pete Rose's record breaking hit. Um, Nolan Ryan, six, no hitter, uh, Reggie's three home runs in a row in World Series uh, and several other things. So, uh, you know, it was uh, it was kind of an honor being in a story in a baseball to be on the field for these these magical moments. Did you keep any special memorabilia for, from either that game or, or from your playing days? Uh, yeah, you know, it, that first Bat Boy day, they gave me an autograph team ball and a couple broken bats and one to play with, you know, so I didn't have to like Sandlot <laughs> didn't have to play with yep. the autograph ball. Uh, and every time I bat boy, you know, the clubhouse man would give me a ball and, you know, ask me if, you know, I wanted broken bats and I'd take them home. And, 
you know, an addendum to all this, and I started playing Little League, but after dinner every night, I would go take the heavy bats and swing them, you know, in the yard. And I think that was um, part of my physical development, swinging the, you know, back then, 35, 34-ounce bats. Um, and ultimately, I used a 35-35, which nobody uses nowadays. You know, even these big kids that are <laughs> I, – I dare say if uh, – Judge or Stanton uses the 35 uh, out there. I'd be very surprised, but that's what we did. You know, we used uh, bigger bats and close stances, and but that uh, swing those heavy bats, I've always thought was contributed towards, you know, my strength. Which you know, people always talked about my forearms, but I always thought hitting was from the elbows down, and that's forearms, wrists, and hands, and uh, that was one of my my strengths was the bat speed. Now, did you collect autographs from from uh, from your playing days from uh, opponents or teammates, your uh, your own teams? You know, I, I at that point, because we you know had a chance to to do Yankees and Tigers and so forth, I would uh, uh, I would get some autograph balls each each time I bat boy, and uh, yep. you know, and and uh, to be around K line, and then of course the Yankee players, and actually to have Mantle and. That's when Joe Pepitone and those guys, early '60s, you know, were, uh, were that was their that team then. So yeah, I uh, I have still have some of those. Uh, I keep them in a very dark place because it's been a long time now. Sure. <laughs> you know, you're talking 55, 60 years. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. But but more importantly, yeah. I mean, I always say you know autographs are important because it's that moment, or or you have something that the you know the athlete did. For you, and it doesn't always have to be personalized, but it was signed, you know. But I always say to to have asked these players if they would sign the ball, and that moment of interaction uh, was indelible. And that's why people say you, you, you never turn anybody down. They say, "Well, I remember when I was a young boy and asking for an autograph, and how how uh, kind these boys of summer were, you know, the '50s players and '60s and so forth." That. Um, it's my responsibility as, as, you know, as a professional baseball player um, to be able to, to make my fans happy. And, uh, you know, sometimes where you sign as much as you can, you got to go and catch a plane or whatever it is. And, and other times you have the opportunity to sit there and talk and especially to the youngsters and, and talk to them about, uh, about the game. Are you surprised that people still are requesting your autographs, even through the mail? Uh, even though you haven't played baseball in, in 35 or 40 years? Especially the youngsters. It's the great uh, the great virtue of Google, you know, <laughs> yeah. an MLB site or something. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I used to get 20 pieces a week, you know, and then uh, COVID came, and all of a sudden by April, I was starting to get six or eight pieces a day. and. Wow. uh and then all of a sudden I was getting 35, 40, 50 pieces of mail, uh, you know, a week. And I do uh, cameo, which is uh, a wonderful site where you have the opportunity to, uh, to get a personalized um, video from your favorite entertainer athlete uh, that you can have for a lifetime. And then all of a sudden the, the, the cameos started, started happening. People, and I said this at uh, Valentine's Day, and I, it's my theme for the year, and, and that, and that is, and I spoke to the University of uh, New Mexico's baseball team about oh, three weeks ago, and at the end of the speech, their big dinner, I said, you know, all you people are here because 
you want to support this team in the university, but you really like baseball. I said, let's do something this year. Let's, let's fall in love with baseball all over again. You know, forget about the CBA now and forget about this or that. Go to a game, watch it on TV, and remember why you, you love the game. Forget about the economics of the game, uh, whether there are more bat flips now than ever, but just look at it as the, as the purity of our national pastime. And, uh, and I put it on Instagram. You know, I, I had baseball, fall in love all over again, got a couple, couple thousand you know, responses from it. So people, uh, people love the game just as much as ever. We have obviously all sports changed somewhat. Uh, you know, people will say, come up to me, do you have a launch angle back then? I said, launching. How did I get the ball out? You know, I, I was, you know, obviously a right center thinker, hit down through the ball, close hand. But, um, you know, I, 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 I had plenty of power by just, but I wanted to hit line drives and I want to hit for, my, my goal always was three, 200 hits, 300 average, 100 RBIs and, and, you know, getting into the playoffs and uh, playing every day. So they were lofty goals, but that's what goals are almost out of reach, but forces you every day to go and keep striving and striving. And then when you reach your goal, reset it. Do you have a favorite baseball card that you enjoy signing the most? Uh, that's a good question. I just signed um, uh, a whole batch from Tops about three weeks ago. They're pretty neat cards, insert cards. And they're sending me a whole new group. And I, I'm always kind of looking forward to it because of the new technology of cards and uh and you know i i think you know tops is doing a great job there's been a whole you know acquisition of them now but i i think uh, fanatics will continue to keep the quality and the art you know phenomenal um but anything relative to 81 i think and of course the rookie card's important and my my second year card's very valuable because it was a very high number, and it was the only year the Dodgers changed their visiting uniform, and it it was at Wrigley. So, um, but again, all all these cards are personal. It may be someone who had been at spring training in '81, and that '81 card special because they got a chance to come, you know, out to Dodger Town and maybe meet me or the guys. So, um, I like to think you know collecting is is really the thread that weaves people who love the game. And I try to, uh, I have a couple, a few teams I sponsor in Huntington Beach, California. And every time, uh, at least once a month or every six weeks with the kids, I try to bring baseball cards and do a Q&A and uh, get them back uh, in the um, well, One more question about cards, and, and, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time. In terms yeah. of, um, I know you don't sign the 1992 FLIR card. Uh, what's the reason yeah. behind that? Well, you know, I'm heavily involved with a number of charities, and, and back then I decided, you know what, let's just take one card and not sign it and then auction it off for charity. And uh, and you can imagine, over the years, you know, people said, oh, I've got one signed. No, you don't. <laughs> Somebody may have signed it or whatever, but don't don't let somebody say that, you know, I signed it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just waiting for the right time and, and – uh, you know, and just to auction, you know, one off. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, thousands of times I've had to say, well, I'm, I'm saving it for all. Well, can't you just sign one? <laughs> you know, well, that kind of defeats the purpose, you know, if you can only sign one. So, uh, yeah, 
yeah, then they, and sometimes it, you know collectors who have collected all of the all of that year, all the cards of that year, and, and this is the last one. And I said, oh my gosh, I'll, I'll give you an autograph, all anything. I said, but I just <laughs> anything, but so uh, you know, and I think deep down they understand that uh, you know every now and then you do something and you do it for the right reason, and and who knows what it would go for, but uh, whatever it is, it'll go towards. Uh, Probably fans for the cure, which is a prostate cancer foundation that I'm chairman of and uh, have been passionate. Seven years ago, I came down with prostate cancer and uh, through the grace of God, have uh, healed and and now is chairman of fans for the cure, which we're in 110, 120 uh, stadiums, minor league stadiums, uh, major league stadiums every year with uh, with awareness campaigns on prostate cancer. So every little bit helps. All right. Well, one last question for you, Mr. Garvey. I have this one's for me because uh, you know you being you being an LA Dodger and you had the benefits of, of being in LA where they they filmed so many uh, TV shows and movies and, and uh, I, you know you've been in Arliss and seeing a lot too and Fantasy Island. But my favorite thing is Baseball Bunch. I was I'm a, I'm a kid oh. from that in 1980. I was a kid and I loved Baseball Bunch. Can you tell us a little about your experience on on the Baseball Bunch? <laughs> oh, well, it was just a great program. I mean, it was uh, it was a program that it could easily be brought back now, you know. And uh, yeah. even though it's it's time honored, so to speak, it could easily if you if you want to if you want to get a better understanding of the history of uh, of the game, you know, the baseball bunch is a is a great place to start. Um, a dear friend of mine, Ed Randall, who who founded Fans for the Cure, and uh, you know, sports. Uh, interviewer broadcaster in new york for many many years now um he used to do a show called uh, talking baseball i think on the yes network and he's got you know hundreds of interviews uh, a lot of them with a great you know yankee dimaggio and and mantle and and then a lot of guys coming through yeah and all these guys and they're wonderful one-on-one interviews you know that people would really enjoy now because you're talking about and i've said this you know, before, I mean, those of us who are blessed to play the game are the authors and poets of, of baseball. And to listen to these men in their generation tells you a lot about, you know, the transitional time and history of baseball and uh, and what we can learn from it, you know, from simpler times to times that are a little more complex now. So, well, Thank you. Uh, this, we're talk, talking with Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey played from 1969 to 1987 with the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. He, of course, was a 1974 NL MVP. He's a 10-time National League All-Star 10 years in a row. He played 1,207 consecutive games, which is still a record. Four-time Gold Glover. He is an author. He is uh, 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 He does speaking engagements, right, Mr. Garvey? You do speaking engagements? Yes, and yep. do a lot of them. I really stuff. enjoy them. So if people want to learn more about how maybe they can get you for uh, sign you up for a speaking engagement or, or reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, just go to Garvey Media Group at AOL. That's Garvey, Garvey Media Group at AOL. Yeah. Yep. And uh, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I've been doing it for uh, gosh, forty-five years now, and it's a chance to to communicate some of the things we talked about today, uh, but uh, a lot of the, the important things from life to business, uh, and sometimes via sports, you know, how sports is a lot about life 
and uh, we talk about the things that are important, you know, about family and faith and commitment and uh, and trying to be the best you can be. And I know you attend a lot of card shows. Uh, do you have any card shows coming up that you'll be attending that, that people uh, in the country might want to come out and meet you? Uh, putting together the season right now. You know, I think this, uh, there's been some anticipation, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, and then everybody's waiting for this CBA to be, uh, you know, at least to be in, in, uh, in, uh, yeah, in speaking terms, uh, yep. finished and then we can get back to it. So, yeah, uh, yeah maybe you and I will, uh, touch base and I'll let you know, uh, where I'm going to be and, uh, you know, we can go from there. Sure. I'll put that on my website. Certainly. Are you going to be at the national in Atlantic city this year? Uh, Atlantic city, right? I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I am. I think we're working on that one right now. Great. Well, again, thank you very much for your time. Uh, is there anything else I can add before I let you go? I uh, know. I think we've touched all the bases, so to speak, but, uh, you know, if, if uh, a lot of people are going to that national show, that might be the one for sure that I'll be at. I know I'll, I'll be at uh, Cooperstown, uh, this summer for the induction of, uh, of Gil Hodges and, and others, but especially for Gil. So uh, maybe we'll be able to see some people there, too. All right, great. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate your time. Surely. My best to everybody. Have a great 22. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Steve Garvey. I want to really thank him very much for joining the show. It was a pleasure to speak to him again. And, uh, Drew, he's a real good uh, TTMer. He is. I've sent, I mean, I've been sending it out heavily since about 2007 or so. And I think I've mailed to him three different times now. It always comes back. Pretty quickly. I had one that took a little while, but one that came back in like a couple of weeks. So very good about responding. Very affordable price for a player of his stature. So great to hear from him. Great to see him still involved in everything. Well, we have a big week, a lot of new returns, you know, new releases coming up this week. Um, I'm going to be heading down to Florida for a couple of weeks. So we'll be uh, doing the show from Florida and unfortunately not going to be able to see any spring training games, but uh, I got some, some stuff planned. Um, we have all sorts of uh, cool things coming up and, and next week. We have Tobin Lent from tops. Uh, he's the VP of digital. And we're going to do a big show on NFTs next week. So stick around for that. I want to, again, I want to thank Steve Garvey for joining us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Send us an email, send us out your feedback, Send us your questions, concerns, comments. If you'd like to be a guest in the show, send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com and visit our website, www.ttmcast.com. Wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week. <laughs>